0: Drawing from his 20-year background in finance and investing to help you make sense of your money matter. New Focus on Wealth. Get a new focus on personal finance, wealth management, Wall Street, and the economy. Now your host for New Focus on Wealth, Chad Burton.
1: Welcome to the show. I'm your host, Chad Burton, Certified Financial Planner. Nice to be back with you in the new year. Well, I guess we all found out that Santa Claus is real, Well, at least the annual stock market rally known as the Santa Claus rally. According to the Stock Traders Almanac, since 1969, the S&P 500 index has averaged a gain of 1.3% over the seven-day Santa Claus rally period, which includes the last five trading sessions of the year and the first two trading sessions of the new year. So after today, we'll see if that holds true, but that's what it looks like. Now, I will say usually the first part of December that we just went through, is tends to be a little bit weak because of what's called tax lost harvesting. So if you have a taxable account, this means an investment account that's a non-retirement account. It's just an account that you opened up in your own name, joint, or in a trust. And throughout the year, you have trades that created capital gains. If you have anything showing a loss, you can sell it. And as long as you don't buy it back in any of your accounts within 30 days, then you can use that loss to offset other gains. Now, a couple of things. First of all, I mean, this was a year where everything except emerging markets and a handful of bonds went up in value. So there wasn't a lot of stuff that could be sold unless you were really buying some of the more aggressive mean stocks well after everybody else that you know traded down towards the end of the year. And... You know, honestly, too, there there was a lot of people that were earlier in the year planning on trimming some stocks before the end of 2021 because of the pending tax law change. But you know what? That, that just didn't happen. Not only that, the Build Back Better plan didn't even get passed. So there's no new tax changes going into the new year. And I want to... I said this a few weeks ago, but if you own mutual funds and even ETFs, exchange-traded funds, inside your taxable accounts, your non-retirement accounts, this was one of the largest capital gains distribution years I've seen since 1999. And what happens is you can buy into a fund and even though you don't sell it, the manager inside the fund has been making trades. They might have sold stock that they bought A long time ago, for that matter. It could have been this year. It could have been a long time ago. But they finally decided to trim, especially on some of these small cap funds that have done really well, especially since the the correction when they bought a lot of stuff last year. And many funds are creating quite large capital gains distributions. So if you have a taxable account, and even though you didn't sell much, you better check what your capital gains distributions are. They all got paid out in the last two weeks of January. To see where you're sitting in terms of overall capital gains. And the reason why I say this is that it's usually January 15th when your fourth quarter estimated payments are due. This year, I think that falls on a Saturday, so I think it's the 18th that it's due. But you have to make sure that you pay in the proper amount, either through withholding on your paycheck, withholding on your IRA distributions or estimated payments. And there's the 100 or 110 rule. I'm just going to talk about the 110 rule because if your previous year's adjusted gross income is more than 150 grand or 75 grand if you're married filing separate, you need to make sure that by your fourth quarter estimated payments, when they're due, which again, like I said, this year, January 18th, that you've paid in either 110% of what you paid in taxes last year or ninety percent of what you're going to owe, whichever is less. So, if you expect your income this year to be less than last year's, and you don't want to pay more taxes than you think you're going to owe, you can choose to pay ninety percent of your estimated current tax bill. If that's going to end up being less than the the other one that I mentioned, and so what happens if you don't pay on time? You can end up owing the IRS an underpayment penalty in addition to the taxes that you owe, and that penalty depends on how much you owe and how long you've owed the IRS. So, long story short one of the things that you've got to look at is, hey, the amount of money that you can put into your 401k went up this year. And are you consistently, consistently owing taxes and consistently making penalty payments for not withholding enough? So when you go in and everybody's kind of going through, well, it's about ending, but open enrollment issues. And hopefully you got a raise... And you should be saying, okay, I'm getting a 5% raise. Let's go ahead and put more money into that 401k. You should be adjusting your 401k contributions and maybe you need to adjust your withholding. If you're consistently under withholding out of your paycheck, I hate paying estimated taxes. It annoys me. I hate having four dates to remember that I got to write an extra check. I like it just taken out of my paycheck. Um, especially since I have you know real estate and other business issues, I make sure that my paycheck, enough is withheld of that to cover everything so I'm not constantly making estimated payments. And for my retired clients, I try to do that as well. Once they start taking from their retirement accounts, you can withhold enough taxes on your retirement account distributions to make up for other taxes that might be due. And so I like to get it pretty darn close to where eh, maybe you get 1000 bucks back at the end of the year versus always having to owe So speaking of that, so check your taxes, do a projection, see where you are, look at the total federal tax that you were, that you paid last year. And you're going to want to make sure that you pay either hundred or 110% of that number depending on your income by mid-January. Or if your money, if your income went down, it's going to be 90% of what you're going to owe. So make sure you do that to avoid those penalties. Um, And yeah, unfortunately... We're going to see those larger capital gains distributions on mutual funds that you never sold, but you're sharing in the tax burden. Now, that hurts. By the way, I just want to explain that a minute. That hurts a little bit because you're, you're, you're holding on to this mutual fund. Let's say it's a small cap value fund. It's knocked the socks out of the Russell 2000. The performance has been great, but you realize that they they paid out 17% of their net asset value in a capital gains distribution. So in December, you would have seen your share price drop and then the distribution comes in and it buys you more shares. So even though you pay taxes on that this year, it does increase your cost basis for when you eventually sell that mutual fund. Okay. So just keep that in mind. It's not like you're going to pay taxes twice on that amount of money. I just want you to, to realize that. But um, that's, that's a good reason. You know, I had to point out we had a couple of small cap uh, funds, one small cap growth and one ca- small cap value fund that both paid out pretty hefty distributions. And whenever we could, we avoided holding those in taxable accounts. We try to hold those in retirement accounts, but sometimes we can't. Sometimes we just have to own them in a taxable account. And they created a tax bill. And you still look at it and say, man, these funds knocked the socks off the Russell. And in this case, they were still worth owning, even though they weren't tax efficient as an ETF exchange traded fund. I did a whole show on this a little while ago, why ETFs can be more tax efficient because of the way they're structured. So when you're buying investments in a taxable account, uh, you kind of want to focus on the individual stocks if you're well over half a million and and ETFs. And then your retirement accounts where you can get the actively managed mutual funds. Just want to keep that in mind. So when you're going in and you're adjusting your 401k because you can now, there's a $1,000 increase in what you can put into your 401k in 2022. So now you can put in $20,500 in 2022. That's up from 19.5 last year. And again, you still have that annual catch-up contribution of 6500 bucks. So if you're, if you're going to be 50 or older by the end of 2022, you can get into your 401k $27,000. Then you got the employer match. And then if your plan allows it, you can still do the after-tax contribution, which gets converted into a Roth if you do it the right way. Congress was trying to take those away. They weren't able to do it yet. Talk a little bit more about that after the break. If you need some financial planning help, help with your retirement plan, investment management, state plan, taxes, check it out. Go to epwealth.com or chadburton.com. All right, so let me talk about this again because um, what's interesting is IRA limits, unless something's changed in the last couple of weeks, they're the same. They didn't, they didn't change at all. There's a $6,000 limit. If you're 50 or older, by the end of the year, you can put in an extra grand in the IRAs. And there's all sorts of rules on income and whether or not you can get a pre-tax IRA or Roth. And you know, for a few months, late last year, congressional Democrats were very close to closing the tax loophole, they call it, used by some higher income Americans to shelter money from Uncle Sam and Roth individual retirement accounts. And so last year... Uh, towards the end of the year, everything got pulled off the table, but they were trying to kill the backdoor Roth IRA and the backdoor Mega Roth 401k. That's dead in the water. I mean, guys, they haven't even passed the Build Back Better plan. And I highly doubt there's going to get any tax legislation through anytime real soon. And th- that one bugged me because the real wealthy people I know, they don't care about putting money into a backdoor Roth IRA if they can find somehow find a way. The people that are doing this stuff are those, here's what I see. People go through life and they struggle to get into their first home and then they struggle to save for college and save for retirement plan at the same time. They finally get their kids through college. Their income's gone up because they're at the height of their career and they look at their financial plan and they're like, we have to catch up. We've got to cut expenses. We've got to get our extra income now that we're getting higher income from the job that we've been working out for years. We've got to get that saved because we need 10 times our annual income to be able to hope to retire at all at 65 and we're way behind. So Congress is ridiculous to take away. What they should do is open it up so that anybody can do a Roth if they can, if they can save for it. Um, They're using a couple of examples like Peter Thiel that happen to have, you know, I mean literally a tiny handful of Americans that have these enormous Roth IRAs and they're going to make middle-class people pay for this stuff. And it's ridiculous. So If you see this come up again, please, please talk to your representatives about this because they need to open up retirement savings programs, not close them. But the amount that you can put into your 401k, 403b, 457 plan. Now, 401ks, that's what most people have. 403bs, that's what most nurses and teachers have. 457 plans are an additional plan that government workers, or in some cases, educational workers, can have access to. Um. So I know some people that have both a 403B and a 457 plan, and we have to figure out, you know, what goes into where. And then there's a thrift savings plan, which like if you're a government worker or a postal worker, that's your 401K. So when I'm talking about all those letters and stuff like that, they're, I'm really you know, kind of talking about the same thing. So what, what you can put in now went up by a thousand bucks. You put in $20,500 in 2022. And then if you're going to be 50 or older by December 31st of 2022, you can make an extra $6,500 contribution for a total of $27,000. Now, I want want you to realize, and and still, if you're trying to save more than that, because what most people in, let's say, California do, is they're going to put that $27,000 $27,000 in. Let's, I'm going to use an H58 above example right now. They're going to put in that $27,000 pre tax so they can save some taxes. And they're going to get an employer match on top of that. But there's, as I've mentioned before, there is overall defined contribution plan limits. Those 401ks, 403bs, things like that, there's defined contribution plan limits. It's $57,000 for all sources, or if you're over, six, over 50 or older, it's 63500 So let me give you an example of a 55-year-old and what a 55-year-old could do if they're working for a place like, I'd say Facebook, but that's probably more younger workers. Um, Cisco, Apple, Microsoft, all these companies have this, this option. But let's say you're 55, you're making two hundred grand a year, you're getting a match of 7% you're deferring $27,000 and your match is $14,000. But the total that can go into your 401k plan at those companies that I mentioned is 63500 in total of all sources. All sources include your deferral, employer match, employer profit sharing, and your after-tax contributions. So in this case, the total $63,500 minus the $27,000 salary deferral that's going in pre-tax minus the $14,000 employer match, which is 7% of pay, that is $22,500. So this person who's 55 in this scenario, if they could afford to save, they could put in $22,500 into the after-tax account and choose the option where that's converted automatically to the Roth 401k and will grow tax free for the rest of their lives. Now, some companies, you have to submit a form every, uh, you know, month or every quarter to get that conversion to happen. But that's a way to really max out all sources in the 401k plan. And then if you do things the right way and you don't have any other IRAs, you can do a backdoor Roth on top of that. And again, IRA limits have not changed. IRA limits have not changed. So there's there's a lot of steps that you can do here. As people try to build their financial plan, as they try to do what's right to build a financial base, always put enough money to get that 401k match. Then you go out and you pay off all of your debt. That's not your mortgage. I I just, you know, you might want to be careful with student loans. If there's ever some sort of a student loan forgiveness, because that is deductible for many people. Um, So, you know, there's that one caveat there, but car, credit card debt, auto debt that's above, you know, 0%. I, I hate all that kind of debt. It can cause problems. And yeah, it's a 2.5% auto loan, but, if, you know, that's your bonds and your cash are paying less than that. So it's not that great of a deal. I'd, I'd rather you be socking money away in your 401k. So you pay off your debt. If you can still afford to save, you max out an IR, a Roth IRA. You can still afford to save more. You go back into the 401k and go beyond the, just the match. So most 401k plans match anywhere from 3 to 7%. And you go beyond that. Max out that, that uh, which is now 20522 or 27000 if you're going to be 50 or older. And get that maxed out. You also want to save at least a year's worth of income outside those retirement accounts so you can do other things with real estate in the future. If you're ever going to do real estate rental properties, buy a home, you need liquidity. You can't go buy a rental property and not have a bunch of money saved up to deal with rental issues like vacancies. And uh, the last rental I bought, two days after I bought it, walked into the garage and the water heater exploded everywhere and water was everywhere. And so that was an extra several thousand dollars that I had to sink into the property from day one. I I thought it was going to last probably another three years, but nope, it lasted two days. So maybe they peeled off the duct tape in the back of it when they moved out that day. I don't know. You have to have that liquidity.
0: Say hello to a pass that gives you endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. You might call it the Suitcase is Always Packed Pass, or the Wait, I Get to Choose from 100,000 Trips Pass, the be the Beach, City, Mountains, or all three pass. Or you could just call it what we call it, the Inspirato
1: Pass. Endless travel for $2,500 per month with no nightly rates, taxes, or fees. Learn more at inspiratopass.com. Let's do a quick recap for the stock market in 2021. And everybody hears about the S&P 500. I mean, look, the S&P 500 is supposed to be 500 largest companies in America, but the way it's structured, as I've done many shows on, it's really an index that, that you know 25 to 50 companies, what they're doing, the, the, the Microsofts, the Apples, um, that, that's really what's driving it right now. So that's a very small look at what the entire market is doing. And most investment advisors do not just invest in the S&P 500. They have large cap, small cap, mid cap, international emerging markets. And then in each of those categories, you're going to have exposure to growth and value. And you're going to have some additional asset classes like real estate commodities. All right. Now, what just is, is crazy is that real estate or REITs had a blowout fourth quarter especially. So I'm going to go through some of the iShares to look at what, are the, what the total returns, which includes the dividends being reinvested. So keep that in mind. That's a huge portion of this. The dividends being reinvested. The iShares REIT ETF, IYR, 38.72% rate of return last year in 2021. Now, I'm now going to go to the S&P 500. Now it's going to, I'm going to start from... Well, actually let me do this. Let me let me look at some of the other indexes cuz I'm going to go the S&P 500, the equal weighted S&P 500, various small cap and mid cap and then international emerging market and bonds. If we look at this and I didn't pull in mid cap into this cuz Russell 2000 has small and mid cap in it. But if we look at the iShares Small Cap 600 Value ETF which is IJS And those of you that have been listening for years, if you would have heard me (laughs) talk about how valuable that small cap value looks like after that correction in 2020. uh, IJS up 30.53% last year. Okay. The next one down is the S&P 500 equal weight ETF. If we look at the Uh, And none of these are recommendations, by the way, consult a broker advisor before taking any action. But RSP is the symbol here. It's Investco's S&P 500 equal weight ETF, where if you you were to do this on your own, if you're putting a dollar in or $500 in, you'd have $1 invested exactly in each of the 500 companies in the S&P 500 versus the S&P 500 index, which is market cap weighted, where 6% of your money is in Apple and Microsoft. And it's very heavily weighted towards those companies. That actually outperformed the S&P 500 because value had a resurgence later in the year. It was up 29.41% last year. Um, And the S&P 500, if we look at IVV, uh, let's see, that ended up being... Was it a little over 28%? Yeah. So... um, So slightly outperformed, the the equal weighted S&P 500 index slightly outperformed the normal one. And the reason why is because smaller companies were included um, in some more value-oriented. Another index or ETF that I like to look at, which I and a lot of my clients have owned in the past and own currently, is Vanguard Dividend Achievers ETF, VIG, VIG. it did have a year this year, slightly underperforming the S&P 500 index, but still up 23.76% for the year. What a phenomenal year. And if we look down, farther down the line, small cap growth didn't do quite as good as small cap value, but still up 22.37% total return. If you look at the iShares S&P small, uh, small cap 600. Then the Russell 2000 ETF, um, IWM, which that's going to include small and mid cap of 14.54%. So a little catch up towards the end, but it was that kind of third quarter that, that a lot of small caps and, and really a lot of biotech stuff got beat up in that index. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that I don't like about the Russell 2000 index. That's why I kind of look at other small and mid-cap indexes instead of that one. Internationally, if we look at international developed so some of the larger companies combined, like Europe and Japan and other places like that, of 11.46%. Whereas emerging markets down 362 So emerging markets down 3.62% for 2021. And then if we look at the US bond market, the ag down 1.77%, interest rates popping in a little bit again, the first part of the trading days of this year. Uh, ten-year Treasury last I look was over 1.6 percent again, and probably likely to go higher, and that puts your pressures down on bonds. Uh, but if you look at basic municipal bond index, that's the tax-free bond indexes, whether it's California, Oregon, or just federally tax-free, um, that where you don't, you know, basic muni bond funds. Those were up about one percent. Um, so pretty flat overall return for the bond indexes out there. So one of the things that I wanted to point out is that, first of all, these these that I'm telling you about, remember that includes the dividends being reinvested. And a couple of lessons here. Number one, stop trying to time the market. It will kill your results in the long run. It will absolutely kill it. Those people that, that got out after the correction started in February of last year, um, I, I feel really bad for him because we started in 2020. If we looked at the decline, that big, huge 40, what, 48% decline, it was a large decline in February and March of last year, or March and April of last year. The market topped in February 19th, 2020. And I mean, the S&P 500, I mean, if you would have just stayed in and not worried about jumping out, From before the correction, even if you would have wrote out the correction, S&P 500 up 45% plus. Russell 2000 up 35% plus. Emerging markets up 14% plus. Um, We have the international developed at 21%. Vanguard small cap ETF up 35%. Vanguard small cap value up 35%. iShares real estate, even with the real estate correction that was just devastating, in 2020, it's still up 22 percent from February of 2020 pre-COVID correction. So let that be a lesson to you. You're, you're you're going to go through every five to ten years these big drawdowns, and you need to start to learn that that's your buying opportunity for the next five to ten years. That's where the big returns come. Stop trying to tell yourself it's different this time. I'm I'm telling you. No matter who's elected, I always got half the clients out there saying they're super afraid they better get out because of this administration. Whether it's Obama, whether it's Bush, whether it's Trump, whether it's Biden, 50% of the people are always scared the administration's going to screw something up. And you know what? They don't. The market is going to take really good care of you over time. Plain and simple. You've got dividends that are being reinvested. You got hopefully a paycheck you're continuing to buy. If the market drops... You can sell some bonds and buy stocks on the cheap. Now, with that said, we've had a phenomenal year, a phenomenal year in 2021. Do not be afraid to rebalance. And if that means selling some stocks to maintain your allocation and you don't like bonds, well, like I've said before, check out the stable value in your 401k fund. Or work with a fee-only fiduciary CFP, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner like we have at EP Wealth. To discuss other bond alternatives so that you can maintain your risk. And so, while it doesn't hurt to take some profit off the table to maintain your proper asset allocation, we as a firm that manages well over $13 billion do not play the timing the market game. I could do a show, I could teach you how to do a show to act like I'm super smart on reading charts on tops and bottoms and Momentum and all that kind of stuff—it's—it's it's garbage. The people that make the money there are not typically the majority of the traders. It's the people that are selling all of the other stuff that go along with it, like the software, uh, the classes, and things like that. So be very, very careful there. Now, a couple of other things. Uh, speaking of taking some gains after a huge run up in the stock market, if you're retiring in five years or less, you need—you need to have your financial plan dialed in. You need to know that once you retire, how much of your principal are you going to have to sell every year out of your portfolio to live? And you need three years worth of that money and safe money. So you need to make sure that if you're within five years of retirement, you have that dialed in. And that way, it would also help you avoid timing the market. You do need to time the market in retirement, like I've mentioned to you before, by making sure you never sell when the stock market is down. And if you have the proper amount of cash and the proper amount of dividends and interest being kicked off from your portfolio, you're going to be okay. But now is a good time to get that way, <laughs> to get your financial plan dialed, your cash flow projections, your tax projections, your asset allocation and your safe money all dialed in to start the new year. So make sure you get going on that. Easy way to do that, you can just shoot me an email, chat at But stop trying to go in, all in and all out. I mean, I just can't tell you you know, every correction, you, you, we we tend to, you know, out of lots and lots of clients, there's always a couple, we just can't talk off the cliff. And, and then they always go back and, and end up regretting it a few years later. Because even if they get out at the right time before a dip, they, they never get back in after the dip. And then the market recovers and it goes beyond them. And then all they've done is lost out on all those dividends and interest. I mean, the S&P 500 is kicking off about 1.5% dividends. That's like five times what your money market account is. And yeah, it goes up and down in value, but as long as you're not selling when it's it's down in value, you'll be good. Now, there's a couple of articles I'm going to talk about, about the dangers of timing the market and missing the bad years and looking at some good articles to help talk about this as we go into the new year where I'm expecting some volatility and some rebalancing. Okay, so again, stop trying to go all in or all out of the stock market. I think that, um, you know, I've been in the business for 28 years. And I feel like I've been through it all. The year 2000 uh, to 2010 was the worst, one, the worst 10-year investing period in market history. And then if you go from April of last year back 20 years, that was about one of the worst 20-year periods in history. And you can pick various points in time. Look, I'm a full believer that over 20-plus year periods, the stock market for you will average 10 11%. But it's how you handle it. It's what you do when the corrections come and things like that. You cannot go all in or all out. In March of last year, 2021, B of A, they they put out a good article. Looking at data going back to 1930, the firm found that if an investor missed the S&P 500's 10 best days each decade the total return would stand at 28%. But if the investor held steady through the ups and downs of the stock market, your return would have been 17,715%. That's huge. So we're talking about the 10 best days each decade. Now, more recently, JP Morgan did a report um, last year and they pulled in two of the worst all-time market corrections so if you would have invested $10,000 in the S&P 500 on January 3rd, 2000 and left it completely invested until Jan- uh, December 31st, 2019, and that included the the, the first 3-year negative and three years in a row negative returns that we had since the great depression because the year 2000, 2001 and 2002 all negative years for the S&P 500. First time 3 years in a row negative since the great recession, the great, De- great depression rather. And then it includes the Great Recession, right? That was the deepest, longest correction we've seen where it took so long to recover, right? But if you would have done that, you still would have had an average return, average annual return of just over 6%. Your, your $10,000 would have grown to $32,421. Even if you had invested during the two worst corrections we've had in recent history. Now. This, this, this period, if you look at this, um, when you start missing the 10 days, you really start to crush your returns. If you look at that 20 year period, um, uh, you know, January of 20 of the year 2000 to December 31st of 2019, again, rough time. You know, if you, the SP 500 annualized performance is 6%. But if you would have missed the 10 best days during that period of time, your return would have only been 2.44%. If you would have missed the 20%, there are 20 best days, 0.08. If you would have missed the 30 best days, you start to get to negative territory. If you would have missed the 50 best days of the stock market returns, which typically come after the largest corrections. Your return goes from 6.06% average annualized return to 547 Stop trying to time the market. If I could talk you into stock market correction, I could tell you that in January, I think that a lot of people that were going to rebalance portfolios and take some gains in December prior to a tax change are waiting until January now. And, and you're going to see a bunch of rebalancing and some market volatility. I can tell you that inflation... Is coming into play. It's not transitory. We're seeing it across the board. We're seeing wage inflation in almost every position and in every company. Omicron infecting everyone. My own son, vaccinated with a booster in August, two days after Christmas, down with COVID. Uh, And it's—I've just countless people (laughs) I've talked to have it and went down with it over the holidays. Um, I don't mean to laugh about it because it's very, very scary. I had a pretty rough time with it myself, but. Um, and y- y- the other thing that I could say is like, hey, I could talk you into a correction by telling you, you know what? The, the PPP loans, all the free money that all these business owners got and didn't need last year and all that stimulus is going to run out and the supply chain still has issues. I can talk you into a correction. I could also talk you into, you know what? I think the market's going to rally this year. Stocks are yielding as much as bonds. Corporations are growing revenue. Their Their profit margins are... Their operating profit margins are higher than ever, so they can easily avoid wage inflation and and pay that out and still be fine. Guess what? Stocks tend to do well in a rising rate environment when the rates are rising because the economy is doing well. By the way, this is the best economy we've seen since the 1980s bull market, so we could be just partway through that bull market like we had in the 80s. Millennials are starting to buy homes left and right as they got out of the cities, and that's going to support the housing market, which... Support so many other jobs, and companies are going to be way more profitable because they don 't need as much office space they're working from home with better technology, more pro- more productivity. You know I, I could definitely talk you into a market rally and get you to sell your bonds and buy all the stocks, but I 'm not going to do that. I could also tell you about all the new technology that 's coming out, science, healthcare everything coming together to create things that we've never seen before. And those are massive investment plays going forward that will help all types of companies. Remember media always plays the extremes. And especially if you're on Facebook or Instagram or any other social media, you're being put in your, your, you know, cloud chamber and you're being fed stuff that scares you because that gets you to get clicks. Media Especially social media plays to the extremes, especially if you're concerned politically. If you like Biden, you think the economy is going to be doing great. If you hate Biden, you think the economy is going to be doing awful. You have to be careful of those one way or the other. Stock market's going to take really good care of you over time. When you do see those dips, you sh- you're supposed to have three, five to 7% corrections minimum every year. And every five to seven years, you get those 10 to 20% buy on the dips. Rebalance your portfolio. If your 60-40 becomes 55-45, sell some bonds, buy some more stocks. Rebalance your portfolio. Buy the dips. Don't panic out because timing the market doesn't work. The stock market will take really good care of you over time. I hope I made that point. It's hard to do on radio without showing you all the charts and graphs and everything else. But I hope it made a little bit of sense. If you have any questions, shoot me an email. It's chat at chadburton.com. You know, help either financial planning, your investment retirement distribution strategies, estate planning taxes. We do it all. Just check it out, chadburton.com. Thanks for listening. Please tell a friend about the show. You can find me on iTunes. All of those links to the podcast are at the bottom of the page, chadburton.com. Have a great day.